Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www.dogwise.com, you can have a look at their catalogue. And when you get to your shopping cart at the end, just type in the coupon code, which is BARKBOOK, all one word, B-A-R-K-B-O-O-K, and they'll give you a whopping 10% off. Enjoy! Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, Steve. Um, I hope this uh, audio file finds your ears well and comfortable. So here we are for another one of our Off the Shelf uh, series. Um, I've really been enjoying doing these. Um, Nice. Nice and informal and not an entire book to read in preparation, which is always good. Um, So today, um, Corinne, Natalie and my good self talked to our old buddy, Jordan Shelley. Now, Jordan is a top bloke, very interesting story. Um, He talks about himself, so I'll I'll, I'll let him do it. Um, But predominantly what we're we're chatting about here is uh, Jordan's um, petition um, that he's got running online at the moment to ban the importation of dogs with cropped ears. Hashtag flop, not crop. Um, there appears to have been an alarming rise in dogs um, imported after undergoing the inhumane procedure of having their ears mutilated. Um, which looks like, and we talk about it more in depth, looks like it's coming, been driven by a wave of fashion for these types of dogs, which 
as most of us are aware, most of us, not everyone, um, is barbaric, for want of a better word. So um, we get into that quite in depth with the lovely Jordan. Um, We also talk about some of his other projects that he's got going on at the moment, um, especially the open hour with Jordan Shelley, where he's talking about mental health in the industry, um, which is fabulous. So you should go and check that out. But, um, yeah, before I spoiler everything, shall we delve inwards? I think we shall. Because I could be talking about something very personal right now. Well, you should have learned your lesson by now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so here we are with the uh, amazing Mr. Jordan Shelley, who's come on to our... Hi, Jordan. Um, hi, Hello. Hi, Jordan. Um, he's come on to our off-the-shelf uh, podcast to have a chat, amongst other things, about uh, cropped ears. Um, yeah, so... Um, so, well, how are you doing, mate? It's been a while. Really well. It's been ages. It's so nice to be back on a podcast with you guys. <laughs> I know. And that seems seems like strangely familiar territory, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> a little bit of history for maybe people, I'm sure most of our listeners probably know this already, but um, we, of course, Jordan and I used to be two parts of the trio that were um, uh, the Barking Mad Show. Um Back in the day, back in the day, yeah. <laughs> back in back in the boudoir, which um, both Nat and I have also been on. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're all. Yeah, we're all yeah we've them. been on. We've been mm-hmm. on. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Although I remember, I always used to get the giggles really badly. So, <laughs> especially when you brought you know, Jay so along. many people listen to the show and they used to come to mine and say, "Oh, I recognise you. You're the one with a funny giggle." <laughs> either, either that, or they used to think Gav had a sexy voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gav stories. <laughs> yeah, that was good fun. It was good fun. Yeah, and of course, Nat and Corin both were on uh, the Barking. A bit more of a patriarchy there, wasn't it, the Barking Mad Show? Yeah, it was, I suppose. <laughs> I've got a picture of us all um, in my office, sat round um, Gavin Jeanette's the Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Christmas yeah, photo. Yeah, yeah. I remember being covered in tinsel. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I had a little baby fish then. Do you remember? I bought yeah, yeah. yeah. And his I, jumpers. Mm-hmm. I did a um, a webinar for the dog training college a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was all about Bye. podcasting. And I think quite a few people that were tuning in that were part of it listened to the Barking Mad show. And and one of the questions I got at the end was from someone I don't know who asked it actually, but it was from someone going like, "Why can't you do and more of those shows?" It was Gav. It was Gav. <laughs> <laughs> Was it was it you, Jordan? I said I said it's just uh, really hard to get us all in the same room. But here we are, virtually in the same room. Yeah, virtual rooms are much easier to manage. I think, yeah. like uh, getting everybody in, it's quite complicated, um, especially these days. Everyone's off doing all, all their own things. Mm. Um, but maybe we should try and do a virtual version. That might be a, not a bad idea. Yeah, something to, something to mm. do. Maybe a Christmas special. There we go. Ooh. Oh, there that'd go. be great. So, for, for people that don't know who you are, Jordan, um, did you want to give us a quick? I'm throwing you right in at the deep end here, but a quick, <laughs> Thanks, mate. A, quick a, a, a brief history of Jordan Shelley. <laughs> oh, wow, where, where, where do I begin? Um, right from birth, please. That would be great. <laughs> uh, I'm a dog trainer. There we go. I'm a dog trainer. Um, 
I suppose most people know me as a crossover trainer because I was once um, an aversive trainer on the telly box. Um, and since then, and since a, a campaign was launched against me, crossed over, that must be now, what, nine years ago? Mm. Um, and I'm now an advocate wow. for positive training. Yeah, it was a while ago wow. now. Uh, I think it'll be 10 years next September. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. party. Mate, you've, yeah. you must have, you've, you've, you've done a lot in 10 years. <laughs> it's been, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> so do a, do a clan, name some of the people that you've met on your journey over the last sort of 10 years then since, since that wow. campaign. Um, I think, you know, right at the very beginning of my journey after the one show and that kind of like crossover period when I went out to America, I was invited to go out with like, Dr. Ian Dunbar um which was just so incredible i went to the apdt conference with him in the states um and then went to i think three or four of his seminars as we traveled around together to different parts of the country and on that journey was the first time i met the lovely grisha stewart mm. um who does uh bat behavior adjustment mm -hmm. training and that was great fun um we've been friends ever since and victoria stillwell um i'm trying to think there must be so many that i'm forgetting so i i have to be careful um and then obviously <laughs> came back here and met the, the the lovely steve man and there's quite a few i i i don't really want to miss people out so i'm going to stop there <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a really nice story though wasn't it jordan because uh these trainers actually approached you didn't they to show you a different way and and it was, yeah, it, was um... it was you know that was the bit that really helped me was actually mm. I think it was Beverly Cuddy at Dogs Today. She'd been writing, she'd been blogging about the whole um, show I'd been on and the experience. And she was saying, you know, in the end of one of her blogs, it's a shame um, these trainers don't want to find a better way of training. And so I rang her up and I think in the beginning she didn't believe it was me yeah. or she was not wanting to take my call just in case I was uh, um, not <laughs> ringing on friendly terms. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was her that said, right, well, if you really do want to learn, I'll introduce you to some people. And, you know, they were all amazing. Everyone took me under their wings to kind of show me a better way of training, which I think was so valuable because without that, I probably would still be doing the same thing now. Yeah, um, but kudos to you for phoning her out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, that takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was uh, for quite an interesting experience. I must admit that whole period of my life, I was, what, 21. So um, quite young to be shoved on the front of loads of national newspapers and TV um and and to kind of experience like your whole world sort of turning upside down but it was it was really because those people reached out that i was able to turn things around and and i mm. can't thank all of them enough and i'm sorry if i've forgotten any like sarah fisher there's one i've forgotten there's quite a few yeah. in there and i feel really guilty if i do whenever i tell the story so i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's always um amazed me because i think you can especially people maybe coming into the world of dog training and that when when they're on the Facebooks and things like that, it can appear a bit catty on occasion. But the the people that are at the top of their game, I mean, as as we all know from like doing interviews on podcasts and things like that, are just so always so gracious with their time. Um, they're patient. They're under. I mean, this is why they're probably the best, isn't it? And let's be honest. But yeah, so I um I love that story. It's it's a great story. You must have told that four billion yeah, times by now yeah so so we should we should move on from that story because i'm sure everyone <laughs> sure everyone can find that story in all sorts of different places so um i've even done it on stage a few times as well which is always nerve-wracking I mean. talking about myself and it's even worse when you're in front of a live audience and you're just there <laughs> telling a story and sometimes you kind of feel like well what's what's the value in this and why are these people here but they want to hear it so i say it you know what um, you need jordan shelley well. the musical <laughs> <laughs> 
Eh? Are eh? you going to write me the music, Steve? I'm going to copyright that and I'll, I'll phone you tomorrow, <laughs> sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, the, well, one of the big reasons that we wanted to chat to you today is because of your um, your steam gathering campaign um, mm. that uh, that is taking the world by storm. I think it's, it's safe to say or taking our country by storm at the moment. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure we will uh, move into international waters soon. But. But yeah, do, do, do you want to um, tell us a little bit about this and what so, you started? I started a, a government e-petition to ban the import of crop dogs. And it all started really because, first of all, I'd seen not just loads more crop dogs in classes and in consults, but also being used online in advertising and marketing and social media. And that seems really wrong, that a procedure that's illegal in this country is being even if it's inadvertently being promoted through using them in advertising, that seems um, immoral and unethical. And I felt like something had to be done. And I didn't understand where all these dogs were coming from. And then looking at like reports from the RSPCA and speaking to friends that work there, I started to really understand that actually, although there are some cases where it's happening illegally in this country, the majority of dogs are being imported with cropped ears. And they're often being imported from countries where the procedure is already illegal. Mm. But because they're being exported from there and imported here, it muddies the legal waters. So no prosecutions are ever brought forward. Mm. Um, and so actually, in the majority of European states, it's, it's illegal. Yet they're coming from countries where it's illegal. And we're funding that um, those illegal practices by going to buy dogs from there. Wow. Um, yeah. And that's why I think it's so important. That's, that's something I think really people should understand you know that it's not just that they're coming from places where it's legal they're coming from places where it's illegal mm -hmm. um and muddying the waters here too as to what dogs have been imported what dogs have been cropped here it's just it really complicates things and it's such an unnecessary cosmetic procedure There's, there is no medical reason in in veterinary medical science anyway that that says why you should be uh, uh doing these cropping procedures on a dog's ears could you explain just quickly what what it is for people that might not might not understand <sighs> so it's yeah. the reshaping of a dog's ears um cosmetically like they they basically chop a bit off um and there's different types of crops unfortunately there's like really short crops there's some funny long ones um mm. and i suppose it depends on what the owners go for what they ask for what i was also really shocked and saddened by was coming across during this campaign a number of breeders in this country that say on their websites quite proudly that they jump through all the relevant hoops to export their dogs from this country to get them cropped to re-import them Wow. Which is just, I mean, that's just mind boggling uh, um, the lengths people will go to. So I think it's really important, especially um, before we sign any potential trade deal with America, where there's hundreds of thousands of dogs a year still cropped. I think it's vital that we, we uh, make the importation illegal um, Can I ask because otherwise we're going to be feeding this, this real trend. Yep. I was just going to ask Jordan, um, do you know if people in the UK are actually seeking these dogs out or are they rescuing them um, and not just they happen to have cropped ears? They, they aren't actually seeking them out to have cropped ears. Do you know that? It, it's a good question. Most The majority of the people I've met are actually seeking them out. Right. Whether they'd admit that uh, consciously or not, I know mm -hmm. that just by looking through their, their Facebook histories, it's very easy to tell that they, they love a Doberman with cropped ears because that's all they're sharing. And then they happen to find one. It's right. magical how that happens. But it's, it's, um, it's all about perception of, of mm -hmm. how a certain dog should look, isn't it? And yeah. I, I, I hope I'm not wrong in thinking that the 
kind of original reason for ear cropping would be so that there isn't a, a dangly fleshy part mm. in dogs that might participate in dog fights and so yes that, that was originally why yeah and i think that that kind of um that's perpetuated in today's society with with looking tough maybe that mm. breed that's mm. that the people kind of see that as as normal um i've only ever met i think i've met one dog with cropped ears and it was a cane corso uh mm. imported from poland um and where it's illegal over, by the way. yeah was brought <laughs> yeah. over cropped but yeah yeah exactly so um yes it's it's, it's unnecessary yeah it's really unnecessary and the other thing as well is it started to change in the last couple of years the people that are importing these dogs so originally it was just because everybody wanted to look hard it's now started to be a bit of a Instagram fashion. Oh, yeah. I oh really? It's gone down. Yeah, the kind so of it's like people see all these celebrities. Route, mm -hmm. Yeah, celebrities. Uh, there's a, a, quite a few celebrities. There was one recent case. I'm not going to uh, quote the exact details because I can't remember. But a recent case where a celebrity dog breeder was uh, breeding American bullies in this country, and he got in trouble for cropping dogs. The dogs illegally here. Um, but then obviously people see these celebs on the internet. And they think, well, that's what they should look like. And that's what I'm going to go and get. Um, and I think it's become more and more of a fashion in areas that you wouldn't necessarily associate with having crop dogs and people that you wouldn't necessarily associate with having crop dogs. And it's actually just starting to become a bit of a fashion that we really need to nip in the bud. I mean, it's been illegal in England. I was shocked to learn this since 1899. Oh, it's really? um, a long time in England and it's been illegal in the UK altogether. The different parts were between 2006 and 2011 when those legislation came in to make it UK wide, um, which is fascinating. And you've not been allowed to show dogs in England with cropped ears for a, a lengthy period of time as well. So there, there, there is no real reason for it there that, that it should be coming back other than the fact that it's just popular on Instagram, really, which is such a sad thing. But that that's the reason why dogs are being mutilated. I think it's really wrong and we need to step up. You know, we're a nation of dog lovers. And um, I think that the way we show that is we we can't necessarily change laws in other countries, but we can project what it is we do and don't accept here. Yeah. So, so can we assume that if it's illegal, that these procedures aren't being undertaken by a veterinary professional with um, anesthetic and, uh, you know, are they, are they these kind of home botch jobs? So it's often they're home botch jobs. Um, I mean, I was shocked to see uh, one of the dogs recently um, that had been imported, a uh, bully for nearly £6,000. That's an eye-watering amount, first of all, when there's so many mm. bullbreeds looking for homes in this yeah. country. It's really shocking. And on top of that, it was imported with not just cropped ears, but infected cropped ears that had obviously been done in someone's back garden somewhere from Poland. And, and just the whole thing was really shocking. And, and that someone would pet, pet, pay that money for a dog that is mutilated and, and um, is infected as well. And a lot of them aren't being done by vets. Um, I, I'm sure there are instances, instances in this country, and I was talking to a vet about it recently, where they are happening illegally uh, in clinics um, by vets, actually, unfortunately, up north. There's been a few cases, I think, where they've been trying to get to the bottom of it, and um, they really need to get on top of that. But the waters are being so muddy that it makes it really hard.
Mm. I can. And those vets weren't, but those vets weren't UK educate, educated vets. Oh, okay. So there seems to be this thing where there's certain types of clinics that perform certain procedures, such as like all the um, fertility stuff they do on the Frenchies and bulldogs and the cesarean sections, and it's those same places. That's all the the only procedures they do. It's it seems a bit murky to me. Um, that kind of world and I've not delved in too far but it was really interesting chatting to a vet about it the other day and she was saying you know that most of the vets that work in them or the majority all the vets that work in them aren't weren't educated here and so it's really hard for them to get on top of um, and the only way really for everybody to get on top of it is for this this campaign not just to be about um, banning importation it's also about awareness and making people aware that what what goes on and how wrong it is and that it isn't some painless procedure like people seem to think it is it's a really painful procedure having part of your ear locked off yeah um and it causes huge huge damage both to the dog physically and also psychologically and their ability to communicate with one another yeah and that's the thing that i was gonna i was gonna bring up i mean similar, similar to that i've only ever i've worked with one dog that's mm -hmm. got cropped ears and we talk about the sort of status symbolness of it oddly enough yeah. that particular dog without mentioning names and things like that i was out mm -hmm. doing a sort of walk and train with so doing just some loose lead walking um down a quiet road and suddenly a car pulled over and these two guys got out and they came walking towards mm -hmm. me and they were like oh is that uh what breed of dog it was and i was like yeah mm -hmm. yeah i was going but just you know um, he's quite nervous of people, so please stay away. But they were asking me all sorts of questions and like loads mm -hmm. of things about, it. and that's that's the only time it's ever happened. Like something like that has ever happened to me, and that gives you a sort of indication of the you know the the worth and the sort of people that maybe these sorts of dogs can appeal to sometimes. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and it's really quite worrying. I I, I don't know. I, I think that we've kind of moved away from like the whole status dog culture thing a little mm. bit over the last few years and we are making great strides in that kind of area and this seems to have been pulling things backwards a little bit and I, I don't know why I see as many as I do I'm not sure what that's about maybe it's because I travel around a lot to teach I'm not mm. sure yeah. Um, and so I'm in quite a few different areas around the country or was before COVID <laughs> um, and uh, so I, I saw a lot of it and I think now that I'm running the campaign, I get so much reported to me. I, I've seen videos I never want to see again. Um, and it's really quite awful, uh, some of the things that are out there. Um, and I'm hopeful that, you know, this campaign can can bring a stop to it and raise like the public's awareness of the issue. So so talk to us specifically about the campaign then, Jordan. So what what um what what is it hoping to achieve? Obviously there's a petition out there, so we're gonna have a, a chat about that. But but what are you what's the aims? What's what's stage one, the, the, two, three, whatever you're going for? So so the aims really um uh, are kind of only really twofold. The, the the first is obviously to ban the importation of crop dogs so that we can um, make it clearer uh, when dogs are cropped illegally in this country and so that we're not fueling this like uh cruelty and also illegal activity abroad um but also i think it's really really important that we have an open conversation with companies about advertising and marketing and make sure that they're aware of the fact i mean there was a whole thing with sainsbury's um that one of the vets that's been really helpful on this campaign cat the vet shout out to her hello um oh, she, cat <laughs> yeah cat's lovely um and she um has been super helpful and she took on Sainsbury's and I picked up on it and was like tweeting about it. And she had a couple of uh, news agencies get in touch because they were using prints of crop dogs on a t-shirt and they decided uh, on a oh. shirt, sorry. And they're no longer going to use it anymore. 
um, since her like posting about it and campaigning about it. And so I think that's really important because they weren't aware mm. that it was an issue. And it's been amazing how many people have turned around to me and said, I didn't know their, ne- their ears naturally looked like that. Yeah. Or didn't naturally look like that. That's yeah. what they thought. And that's mm. quite a shocking, that's quite a shocking thing to think about. Like yeah. people don't realize, but I suppose it makes sense because you see GSDs with sticky up ears. Yeah. So like people just assume. Did, did you yeah. have, um, I know that there was another food company on Facebook <laughs> that you had a bit of a, a hoo-ha ding-dong yeah, with. Yeah, no, um, they, how's they're, that still, been they're still using, they, they shall not be named at the moment, yeah. they're, they're still using um, those dogs in advertising. I really think that they should reconsider it. Um, but after being threatened with a legal letter, I am biding my time. Right. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm not not going to stop <laughs> yeah, telling yeah. when it's wrong, you know, because yeah. you know they need to know that what they're doing is uh, um, is immoral. And I also think that if they're going to do it, that's fine. But be honest with your own consumers, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if that's what you stand for, then that's cool. If that's what you think you should stand for, yeah. But be honest and be upfront. Don't hide it. Um, and then uh, um, do it in a more subversive kind of way. I think that's really wrong. Um, I think that you should be open and honest and your consumers should be able to make that decision as to whether you're an ethical company or not. Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, we were chatting with Linda Case, weren't we, Nat, about, um, about how people aren't particularly coming clear with what's in food and things like that and, and how confusing yeah. that can be. It's a similar type thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's that's a baffling. I mean, I, I don't know much about the, the topic, but I know that it's a baffling area. So, yeah. so many people come to me and they just they don't know where to start. Um, and it's really hard when um, different studies are funded by different groups. That's the hard thing. Who you know funded by what and, and what food company funds what study and that's a really complicated area. So yeah. then you don't really know what you're yeah. Well, well, I'm not going to delve best, into that rabbit hole. That's yeah, not my the, delve down. The best place to start is Linda Case. I wouldn't go anywhere. I'd just go yeah. to um, yeah. Dog Nutrition and, and that'll be that. It's, the it's science gonna, dog she's called, isn't she? It's certainly a Well, I'm going to go and check that out after this interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link. <laughs> yeah, she's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. It's a really good interview as well. So, so think, oh, go on, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say on, on companies, I think... Um, you know, we can forgive companies for using an image. Let's face it, a marketing person's gone through, you know, a photo stock image and, and found mm. something and it works with their campaign. But surely once they know better, they need to do better. So, yeah. you know, I think we've all got a role to play there. And, um, you know, without being the fun police, there are serious um, elements to it and and if if an advertising campaign is is promoting the look of a certain dog that then leads to further detrimental welfare of other dogs then need to speak up about it so good on you yeah i think i think it's really important that you know companies that are informed and that don't take action should be held to some kind of account and I'm, I'm hopeful to set up at some point, I've got a lot on at the minute, but at some point, uh, a, a group similar to Cruffa, which is the campaign for responsible use of flat-faced dogs in advertising, mm-hmm. um, in a similar way that would uh, help deal with the issue of crop dogs being used, in, and even dock dogs, if I'm honest, being used in advertising, although that's not what this um, particular petition and campaign is about. I, I wanted to separate the two issues because they are actually slightly separate. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, even though people try and lump them together, I think that the reasons uh, it's happening are very different. So I, I wanted to separate them whilst I was doing this petition and campaign, and I think that's quite important. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess you do. You do see quite often crop dogs are docked as well. You yeah. Do see, you do, yes. you do see a lot um, of that. 
And I do like part of me kind of wonders. So there was a, um, I was contacted by some people in the sporting dog world, let's call it that. And, and so they um, work lots of uh, sporting security type, Schutzhundy type dogs. And they were adamant that um, Dobermans had to have their ears chopped off because they had rubbish ears for, for the job that they were doing. And first of all, that's wrong. Um, and if you let their ears, if you let them have natural ears, you'd find that out. Firstly, I mean, there might be the odd small minority within that gene pool that has an issue and they, they develop like uh, uh, some problems. But I think it's important for those breeding to be aware of what dogs are developing those issues and then for them to breed better. Because that's important too. Like we've got to the point in life and as a society, I hope, where actually we're using, we're, we're, we're working with dogs that are appropriate for the jobs that they're in mm. um, and not trying to cut them to fit. Because I think oh, that's quite wrong. It, it's, it's kind of, it's a, uh, a an attempt at a treatment, not a cure. Mm -hmm. And in commercial breeding practices, there's a, a similar thing, or I would see it as a similar thing, that has a massive welfare implication on um, commercially reared pigs, for example. So um, when there isn't enough space, there isn't enough enrichment, there's nothing to do. We know that pigs have similar... Um, you know mental capacity and intelligence as dogs as well so with the piglets you could have say 30 piglets in a, a concrete stall they get bored they want to do something and they end up playing with each other's tails and ears mm -hmm. and all sorts and the answer to that in some farming practices not all is to dock their tails mm -hmm. so that they then can't mutilate each other because they're not playing with them but that's not solving the problem <laughs> same with <laughs> chickens isn't it they like um yeah. Yeah. Nick their, they de-beak them yeah, yeah so that they can't then injure each other and again it's not solving the problem and so i i see that exactly the same with this kind of fallacy of an argument or a defense against mutilation of, of dogs really which is is what it is and um there's there's a really interesting theory called the neutralization theory which looks at how strongly held beliefs continue to be strongly held despite them making no sense whatsoever mm. and part of that is about tradition well, it's always been that way and so that's mm. the way we should do it and it's hard to kind of knock down those walls but you know having conversations like this hopefully starts that process and that, that's what i really worry about when it comes to future trade deals with the us you know where it still is considered tradition and there are there is still so many dogs cropped you know we're already being influenced online through social media and stuff by the seeing the dogs out there with the celebrities and this and that and i think it's really important that we act before it becomes more easy for for dogs to be imported from there um i really think it's vital uh, um and i i don't think uh people realize um how much the creep of the normalization of seeing these crop dogs is happening it is creeping through society mm -hmm. and and um before it creeps too far we have to stop it that's what i keep saying to people because people don't realize i think how if they've not seen them or whatever and they're not dog people they don't realize how how far it has crept through society and it is it is creeping and well look, we look what's happened with brachycephalic breeds that is mm -hmm. completely normal now to have a dog that can't breathe properly and i saw something harrowing on facebook yesterday and it was um dogs trying to use props to keep their airway open while no. they're sleeping and that mm -hmm. is I, I guess I get I'm really worried about it comes around mm. quite often the the videos of 
puppies falling asleep standing up, you know, or sitting down. Well, there's down. a meme, isn't there, of one of the dogs yeah. that's, like, sat up, you know. Um, yeah. And everyone's like, how cute. Oh, that's I the cutest I... thing in the world. And you're mm-hmm. just like, that dog can't breathe. Yes, but our vets mm-hmm. actually shared that as well. Yeah. Oh, well. So, and I think that's it's a, it's a real problem because the more it gets normalised, the more people don't realise the um, difficulty those dogs have. And if ever you've seen um, a dog come round from a uh, procedure, like a, a, a veterinary procedure, no. and they're intubated, they're one of the only they're some of the only dogs that don't struggle to get the tube out because they can actually breathe. Now that's a bizarre place to be in mm. when a dog feels more comfortable with a massive tube down its throat than it did before. That's really And I think that that's really like when you, when you see those videos and you realize how most dogs would struggle in that position, um, you kind of think, Oh, that's, uh, that's really wrong. We need to do something about that. Mm. Well, we've all had a horrible cold at some point, haven't we? And you know, you mm. sleep rubbish because the minute you lie down, you can't, breathe through your nose and oh, you make all so horrible noises through your mouth and <laughs> imagine right. imagine living like that all day every day oh i would be um the biggest grump for sure and <laughs> it would make me feel very uncomfortable so i really hope that people start recognizing that in their dogs and i'm not saying for a minute that those breeds shouldn't exist but they should be working towards having a, a healthier breed standards for sure mm. And it's so frustrating that that takes so long to change, you know, that that, that those standards take so long to change. And and I hope um, at some point we could implement um, legislation similar to that 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 just came out in Holland, you know. Um, In Holland, they have actually made... it law that that dogs um that or dogs i think cats as well that um i'm not sure i'll have to double check that but i think it's cats too that have been bred to such an extreme that they can't breathe and that their faces are so flat that 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 needs to be changed and the breed standards need to be changed around it and that it's illegal to breed those dogs in that state because you are purposefully breeding deformed dogs that are going to struggle or deformed cats i've seen so many flat-faced cats now as well it's shocking i saw i don't know if it was the same article but i saw something about um grumpy cats and actually that there might be a problem with your cat you know like but people just think oh my cat's grumpy and then they have like all the more followers than all of us put together on instagram you know yep yeah yeah i i was i'm always approached these things with a little bit of caution you guys might know more about this than i do but i again i was seeing something it might have been a meme or something um a while ago about the difference in shape of dogs since breed standards came in like versus a hundred years ago to now or something along those lines and uh yeah you can you can really see quite a lot um of how these sorts of things have have, have, uh, affected dogs so my my favorite breed to look at is the english bull terrier yeah. Um, yeah, 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 so I, I love English bulldogs. They're, they're such lovely dogs, and it's so clearly obvious what we've done to them and how we've damaged them. You know, we've completely changed the shape of their heads. Like mm. they're they're like these giant curved goat heads now, um, but their brains don't fit into properly, and and they have all sorts of issues. And it just makes you wonder when you look at how how they looked like a bull terrier beforehand and now they look like a curved goat head like it's just such a vast difference and that's not for a minute say i don't love bull terriers i love all dogs um but i just think we our dogs deserve better from us um as people all dogs deserve better from us they they only come into our lives to give us uh, um unconditional love and and actually we need to uh honor that by making sure they're as healthy and as happy as they can be and it's completely within our control 
So just to, because you said you didn't think it was a status problem, do you think it's a social media problem in the fact that people are chasing likes and follows and attention and that kind of thing? Is that kind of what way yeah. you maybe of thinking it's happening? I think, yeah, and I think it's also just being normalised through social media. There's mm. so many, like, because of the crossover between here and the States and, like, it's all English-speaking kind of world online, yeah. um, and then lots of celebrities over here that have unfortunately gone and got croc dogs, okay. It's that it just kind of trickles through. People see it as normal. They want what that person has. Unfortunately, the world's built like that. Everyone tries to keep up with the Joneses. Mm. It's a waste of time, but mm. that's what people spend their time trying to do. And And so... I think it's a similar kind of thing. They just want the latest fashion, unfortunately. And it's more of a fashion than a status thing. Okay. Um, and it's a really vile fashion that we just have to end, I think. Um, and the only way to do that is to make sure, firstly, that all legal routes to market are completely cut off. And then um, by going after and prosecuting people that are doing it illegally in this country. Mm. Um, but it is it's definitely it's definitely a fashion thing which is such a sad thing to say yeah like, chopping the dog's ears off has become a fashion that's awful i just saw a video today of a poodle that has been um cut and possibly even parts of their hair dyed to look like they are a skeleton dog running around mm. a pumpkin field with rap music <laughs> and i was just like that's not funny uh, so no. that person just got unfollowed <laughs> just like <laughs> jesus Oh, it's just like, um, it's a little bit painful what people uh, feel like they can do to animals without it doing them any damage. When actually, you know, having to stand and being groomed, I mean, I don't know how long that process would take, like mm. being chopped and groomed and having to stand in a groomer's, you can't, you, a dog can't have enjoyed that whole process. No. I really don't believe it. So it's very rare that you find the fat retriever that lies upside down in the bathtub. Most dogs don't really enjoy that process. Mm -hmm. And if it's a, such a long drawn out process and, and then imagine what you're doing from the point of view of the perception of other dogs and all sorts, it's just yeah. a, a little bit baffling what people think they, they have the right to do almost, you know, I, I kind of, I just don't think we respect them enough as their own individual beings. Uh, um, I think that's part of the that's issue. That's en pure entertainment for a video to get shared across the internet. I'm 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 trying to imagine how much primula it'd take for our Newfoundland to be cut like a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of More course. Than <laughs> the huge tube. But, like... <laughs> you're completely right, though. The more, the more, you know, we don't want to sound like we're completely boring and don't have a laugh. You know, I laugh at my dogs all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, but mainly when they're doing doggy things or they're attempting to do a human thing and failing miserably, you know. <laughs> or they um, fart when they fart. Or that's they the fart, thing. yeah. I mean, that's hilarious. <laughs> i tell you what, a, a fart as they're doing their morning stretch gets me every every time, every time. Um, but the more we see those, again, like, like you were saying, Jordan, the more we see cropped dogs in the media, the more we see videos of dogs doing non-doggy things, it just sets us off on a tangent that m removes the naturalness of, of dog behaviour and sets completely unrealistic expectations for mm -hmm. people that haven't lived with dogs before. And the thing is, they're so blooming brilliant as a species, they'll adapt and they'll yeah. get on with it. And just because we can doesn't mean we should Absolutely. that's it's for sure it's so true and i think that you know we end up like in a position where especially as like trainers and behaviorists we end up seeing people that come to us as first-time dog owners that are basically expecting a little fluffy human 
And that's so hard to explain to people that that's not how it is because that's what they've seen online. And we just, mm-hmm. we just should respect dogs for being dogs and accept dogs for being dogs. And that's what they are. Like to overcomplicate it, I think does them a disservice and does ourselves and other people a disservice because there's so many unrealistic expectations set. So, oh God, yeah. So many unrealistic yeah. expectations. Yeah, we're, we're living in a world <laughs> of unrealistic expectations down, here. <laughs> down down in our neck of the woods at the moment. But anyway, I digress. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say. Um, uh, it actually really sort of pricked my ears what you said there because status is one thing like if it's been done mm-hmm. for status that's normally a small minority of Egypts that are doing that and that's kind of a little gang of people over here fashion on the other hand yes. will spread far and wide so you're right it is something that needs to be you know nipped in mm-hmm. the bud um, pretty quick Where and they are two completely they are two completely different things and I think um, I was so shocked that recently a police force shared a photo of PCSO. I don't know whether any of you saw it. I did, yeah. And stood there with two American bullies that were cropped um, and smiling for the camera. Now, the, the sentiment behind it was that bull breeds can be lovely and are lovely dogs. So I, I appreciate that sentiment. But there were so many things wrong with putting that photo up on their uh, um, profile, not just from the point of view of Again, normalizing cropped ears, even if it was inadvertently, they were normalizing cropped ears by allowing people to see that. It's also then coming back to all the BSL stuff that I campaign relentlessly on, um, mm. because actually all it takes is for a, a dog like that to lose the paperwork that says it's a KC or AKC registered bully. And then you kind of end up in a position where, or if it bred with another dog that was slightly small or whatever, that's type, mm. the type dog that they can yeah. get put to sleep. And so you're actually then sending people out to go and get dogs that in a way contravene the legislation that's out there because it's based on type, not on breed. And you end up with all sorts of issues. So I think that that's that's also really dangerous. Mm. Um, And and that really shocked me to see that. I I wrote a letter of complaint and obviously posted on their um, on their Facebook, etc. But I'm not sure that one went in anywhere. Um, And it's such a shame Mm. um, because I think that that's normalizing. a real issue that we have in society. And I think as a society as a whole, we really need to take a more educational based approach rather than breed specific legislation, but that's a whole different rabbit hole for, I think another day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do a whole other podcast on that, mate. (laughs) So how many, sorry, go on. It's hard as well because, you know, like you say, fashion is, is global. You know, if something's Mm. popular and people want to be popular, Mm. it's very different to, the kind of gang style status which i'll be completely honest i can kind of relate to a lot more if i was a single woman living in london i would be okay walking along with my dogs you know most of them are pointlessly pathetic and wouldn't do anything but i feel safer i mean even around here i'd go out in the dark yeah i had my dog with me and i would think twice about it if i didn't um so i I get i kind of get that um but the whole fashion thing i just I was watching um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory the other day and I just thought most people are like Veruca Salt now, you know. <laughs> I want it! I want it! So I'll get it! Yeah. <laughs> I was, um, th- that what you were just saying about walking around and feeling safe. Um, so we had a new mattress delivered the other day and Penny was already obviously barking from the moment <laughs> they uh, turned up outside the house. Um, but once they were in the house... 
only out of excitement, but Peach did the biggest woof from the kitchen. Now, they didn't see her, but their faces behind the bars, <laughs> even behind them, just their eyes were like, oh, uh, oh my God. And, and he just went, that's a big dog. I went, yes, it is a big dog. <laughs> Suddenly feeling quite safe in my environment. And uh, yeah. and I was like, in all fairness, she'd only lick you to death. And he just went, I, know, I don't want to find is. out. Yeah, that, that's not why we have our dogs at yeah, all. Exactly. But I can, what I'm trying to say yeah. is I can, I can get, I get it. You yeah. know, I get, I get it. I completely get it. Whereas fashion, not so much. No. No, and fashion goes both ways as well. So it's also on the other side of these poor little dogs that end up being dragged around in people's handbags all day. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's there's all sides. Although, of although fish fish would love that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so some dogs do. <laughs> but often you see dogs that have never you see dogs that have never been allowed to kind of be a dog, and they're just dragged about in a handbag all day, and 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 that creates all sorts of issues in a, in and of itself, you know. Um, and so I just I think fashion okay is one thing for clothes and it's one thing for cars if you're into all that stuff but otherwise it shouldn't be something that's associated with living sentient beings i think mm. that's so wrong you know you mm. get a living being so it's a companion it's a friend it's it's company it's it's something that you're going to commit to for what 14 15 years if you're lucky and and uh not something that's just like throw away like everything else in our society that we can have right now and i i think we're seeing uh the tail end of an unfortunate fashion at the beginning of lockdown really as well now where there's so many dogs that were bought at a time when people were going to be at home because everybody else was buying them and they thought they needed some company and are now being dumped and and um people are really struggling um and that's because it was a fashion everyone thought they'd go out and get one and i think that like the old dogs trust saying a dog's not for christmas it's for life you know i i think that goes in for any circumstance mm. dogs not just for fashion it's for life you know yeah. i think yeah. it's really important and, and another I, thing I, oh, sorry, go go no go 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 i was just going to say something that we're seeing at the moment is um I would say people that because it's a really stressful time, isn't it? It's like nobody knows mm. about what's coming up, especially like currently right now. And I think people are exhausted with that. Um, and then and then having a puppy, perhaps that they didn't um, expect to be like we were saying, with unrealistic expectations of maybe what they've mm. seen on social media, perhaps. But um, um, and these people are are exhausted from and life mm-hmm. and and in now they're in a situation where uh they're, they're struggling with their dogs and things like that as well but i mm. i haven't um haven't heard or seen myself of um dogs being dumped or rehomed but i'm i'm sure that unfortunately that yeah I, I unfortunately uh, um i get all the lists i don't know why i still am on them but no. I, i've never taken myself off them i get all the lists from all the pounds um from when i used to foster as much as i did you know when there was one point where kind of in eight years we did over 300 and something dogs um i'm a madman i know um and um i i and that's the reason also why i'm doing what i'm doing now you know i feel like i spent a lot of time mopping up issues and it's really important actually that we just nip all these problems in yeah. the bud at the beginning and, and stop them from happening and stop us from getting into these problems um, and part of that, part of that is stopping a lot of these fashions um, and, and making people realise that dogs aren't fashion items; they're, they're living things. There's a really nice segue there, actually. Kindly provided a segue because you're also doing. Um, is it is it like a live chat? Is it um, is it the open hour? I can't remember what you call it. Is yeah. It? So yeah. so I do a live. Um, thank you for that. I've completely forgotten. Yeah, I do yeah. a live. Uh, 
chat on my Facebook. Obviously, there's um, I don't know when this is going out, but there's not going to be one today. <laughs> so we, we try and do them every week, but it's kind of sometimes every other week. It's when I can get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on a Friday night at 7 p.m. And I talk to different people in the industry about mental health and well-being and how to support one another, because I think that we as a society have become quite isolated, especially during um, the coronavirus crisis. And just generally, it's all become a bit isolated and me, 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 and not so much about how we support and help one another. And let's face it, there's so many dogs in this country, there's more than enough clients for everybody. Um, and we should be out there supporting each other and helping each other and, and kind of working towards a, a better place of well-being. And it's not just for trainers and behaviorists, it's for vets, vet nurses, for welfare campaigners, and rights campaigners, and just anyone that needs a little bit of a pick-me-up on a Friday evening. Um, and we do it live and then release it on all the various podcasting apps and stuff. And I've got, uh, um, I've had a few really exciting guests, I've had Andrew Hale and Chris Stewart and... Um, the next episode will be with the lovely um, Sam Gaines from the RSPCA, uh, okay. Dr. Sam Gaines. Oh, great. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, so that would be really, really nice. And she's writing a blog, actually, about supporting mental health and well-being. And so she's going to come and talk a lot about it the night before it's released, um, which will be really cool. So I'm really looking forward to that. And there's another one coming up as well, all about supporting our female colleagues that are going through the menopause. Because I think that as an industry that is very heavily loaded with women of a certain age. It's really important <laughs> we're able to support each other. No, but it's true. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fact. And yeah. it's, it's important that we have that support and that conversation openly, because otherwise we don't really understand what's going on as blokes mm-hmm. bumbling about. And I think that, <laughs> that it's helpful a... to know mm-hmm. what's going on so that we can support each other. Well, yeah. many of us are self-employed in this game, or, you know, so mm-hmm. you haven't necessarily got a network of people around you have you so it's yeah it's yeah. good to have this and that's conversation. so important so yeah. important uh, we i'm lucky we've got uh, um i've got a trainer coming on to discuss how it affected her and her um her and and her business and her education and everything else that it really affected um and we're also being joined by a nurse um that's an expert that runs a a group specifically to support um people that are are struggling you know women that are struggling um in that time of life and going through the menopause and i just think that it's a conversation that we really should be having as openly as possible so we can support each other and i think there's no point in being silent anymore on these things we all are in a in a in a world now where we understand that we each suffer in different ways with our own mental health and our own issues. And the more we have that open and honest conversation, the more supportive we can be. And mm. I think that's why I started doing it. And and if I'm honest, I also find it quite cathartic myself. Like mm. I, I quite enjoy chatting about life, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, of course, um, a lot of us know who Grisha is, but Andrew, um, I've, I, I'm kind of Facebook friends with Andrew, um, but he mm. always seems like a really nice guy. Such a top bloke, mm. you know. He um, his background was originally in human psychology, um, oh, okay. worked with people, yeah, and so he supported. Uh, he's done lots of support the well being of other trainers and managed to put together the dog behavior charter. And he's just a really interesting guy. But his background in psychology and his background like supporting people, I think, was really vital. And we had a really interesting chat when he came on. Um, if anyone gets the chance to listen to it, I, I found it fascinating, and I really, uh, um, I hope it comes on again soon because I, I really enjoy talking to him. Um, Where can people find this, uh, Jordan? So 
if you want to find the video version, I'm sure it's somewhere in the videos on my Facebook page. Okay. But it's now on Spotify, on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and all the various like podcasting okay. apps. I think it's going on Google Podcasts soon. I don't really understand how that works. And I'm trying to sort out YouTube so that it streams automatically onto to YouTube and my Facebook live. But as you can tell, I'm not the most technical person in the world. So yeah. that's been uh, interesting. I just end up shouting at the machine. It doesn't work. <laughs> I tried clicking and treating the machine. That doesn't work either. <laughs> I have given up. The machine's Maybe training you. Need, you. Yeah, you need yes, to make the machine a little safe haven in the corner and wait till the machine's ready to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, also, for those of you that don't know, um, uh, Jordan uh, is... Uh, is branching out into the world of um, what su sustainable farming, livingy? I don't know how to <laughs> yeah, describe well, it. I, I kind of lockdown came. I was planning so before all of the world turned upside down. My my world this year has been a bit bonkers, if I'm honest. At the very beginning of the year, I was planning on moving to Spain, and I had everything lined up, everything sorted, the house on the market. Then, first of all, I, I unfortunately got unwell. Um, I contracted a. Um, an illness from a tick. Um, I have to be very careful what I, how I describe it because my bioscience teacher, I think, is listening. Um, I'm <laughs> studying at the moment and, and she listens to my podcast. So I became how I, how I describe it. Um, and so I, I caught this illness from a tick that is similar to Lyme's disease. It's called Borrelia miyamotoi. And I was about the fourth or fifth person to have it in the country. So they knew nothing about it. I was misdiagnosed about three or four times and I had it in my system for quite a while. Um, and dropped about 15 kilos in weight. I, looking back at photos, I, I looked like the Grim Reaper. It was awful. Um, and I just, I didn't realize at the time you don't notice, I don't think until afterwards. And then mm -hmm. spent this, the, the whole of sort of February in bed. So I was locked down for an extra month than everybody else because I was already in bed for a month beforehand. And then lockdown came in and then the house cell fell through because the buyer obviously could no longer buy anymore because of issues with his own work um and then i decided obviously i was staying here i'm not going anywhere now um so i kind of bedded back in i saw that people were still selling but it didn't make any sense to me i just kind of thought well i've not been very well i need to look after myself so i'm, I'm here and then kind of thought well one of the reasons why i wanted to move to spain was because i wanted to do to grow more of my own food and kind of support myself and sustain myself a little bit more and so just basically turned three quarters of my training paddock into a farm yeah. <laughs> um and the garden is now we've got like a, um, a giant half built polytunnel because I need to get my button gear. And, <laughs> um, we've got loads of salad beds and potatoes and, and beans and peas and, and squashes and pumpkins and various things. Wow. It's been great fun. To, I've loved it. I've loved every minute of it. Um, and actually, I think that might be my therapy just generally in life. You know, people find their things that make them feel really relaxed and that might be mine. I, there's something um, so rewarding about going out in the garden and planting things mm. and then going back a couple of weeks or a couple of months later and making a soup, you know, like I just, yeah. it's really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So it's not just for the, the fact that actually I, I'm really happy to be having homegrown food that's not covered in like pesticides. And I know is, is just completely clear of all of that and, and is in organic soil um it's also there's a real like cathartic kind of nice element to it that i really enjoy myself um 
and I was overwhelmed with uh, courgettes. So if anybody wants <laughs> yeah. a courgette, I love courgettes. Yeah, mate. I love them. <laughs> I, I found gardening uh, really therapeutic. Mm. It was a few years back now, and I was like, "That's it. I found my thing. I'm well zen out in the garden." Um, now what I realise is I like making a garden. I don't like maintaining a garden. That's much <laughs> more hard work. Much, much, much more hard work. So if anyone wants me to make a garden for them, I'm in. But I'm not maintaining it. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about the. the... I, I, I learn. I learn. I have to just be careful how many things I decide to do because mm. often I decide to do far too many things and then you only do half of them. Yeah. That's yeah. Not good for anybody. So Jay, Jay did that this to... year because because. Yeah. We... Down, Jay was home and so he had more time in the garden and he just grew everything and I was like babe the the rule of thumb is you get four or five things good and then you add a new one in each year and yeah. he just went for the full 20 to start with <laughs> your whole house was full wasn't it downstairs yeah. <laughs> greenery yeah oh, brilliant I love it though I think it's it's such a nice uh, uh, thing to do and if you look at the world as it is in general and you kind of look around the way we're all gonna save the world and i'm not saying everyone needs to grow at the back garden but a, a real way that we can all do our bit to to kind of save the world i think is is to cut chains of su like supply chains and food chains and stop things from being transported from one side of the planet mm. to the other because you look at certain things that come to you and it's got ingredients from here 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 and here and it was all flown to different places to be made and they've flown here afterwards and that's a bit mental when you can just grow it in your garden or mm. get it from the farm down the road you know mm. what i mean and i think that that's huge too um just to to kind of take a more holistic approach to the food we eat and, and look at the whole kind of ecosystem and that's something i've been learning with dogs too is to look at the whole ecosystem of the dog yeah yeah mm -hmm. you say it like we went for a walk the um the, i don't know if anyone's picking up on this but i've had a bit of a stressful week um and we went for a walk out in there and well not too far from your neck of the woods we were out in fritham um, oh, nice. new forest. yeah just out in a new forest and uh we took uh peaches so peaches a uh, um well-renowned uh, squirrel hunter so um walks through woodland not been that not been that easy with her actually since we've been working with gav for, um doing mm -hmm. some tracking with her and um, things have got a little right. bit easier actually she's been she's been bar most, today Let's bar, be yeah bar, bar today, today. That's, <laughs> another, that's another story Let's be honest. My, my right arm is about 17 foot long at the moment that's just like, um two squirrels two squirrels same, that's, that's a new thing two, two squirrels, squirrels same once. tree um uh, <laughs> that's not a video on youtube um and um uh, yeah and anyway she did great it was amazing plus the fact we saw a deer run across the road, not, not too far not, from not us. Not just one deer. We saw herds of deer like, oh. at quite a few times in the walk as well. And both the dogs were kind of like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Is everyone else seeing what I was But seeing? they did really well. Yeah. They did really, really well. And there was a cow yeah. mooing as we walked past. And there was some uh, ponies out there as well. Um, both of them. Yes, first. We always play a game. As soon as we as soon as we cross the uh, the, the cattle grids, we play oh, a game. I'm so jealous! I've never seen mm. one. So we play the game oh, of mate, you go out over the, the forest. They're everywhere at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> they're everywhere. He's covered in pigs. My 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 favourite story was one day when I was driving through the forest, and it was panic season. I think it was a couple of years ago, um, and there was someone who was very clearly from London, and you could tell, or a big city somewhere. 
because he got down to take a selfie with the pigs. <laughs> and as he got down on the floor, I've never seen such a mauling before. I had to jump yeah. out of the car and rescue him. Yeah. Uh, don't get down and take selfies no, with pigs. It's no, a mistake. No, no, no. <laughs> the one we saw was it's a huge. It was a whopper. He was whopping. Well, the, we, the game with the game we play is we is it what what It's so uh, we guess what animal we're going to yeah. see first. So once we cross a cattle okay. grid, there's points. And um, he often says pig. And I I'm say like, pig. why are you saying pig? It's never pig. And obviously forget it's pig, pig season. A, a big scorer. Well, so it's worth well, it. Just, I mean, we just never it gets one. a bigger woo. If you say pony first, everyone's like, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, okay, well done, you've won. <laughs> but yeah. if you say pig and you win, you know, the woo in the car from the two of us is pretty, yeah. it's it's pretty, pretty big. Good. And it was just, uh, literally, <laughs> I said pig and about two seconds later, <laughs> it was big. big pig. Big pig. Big pig. Wow. Now, there's a particular spot in the forest that I know because I go there regularly with uh, Florence when we're out walking together. And all year, there's pigs, sheep, cows, horses, kind of everything you want to see, really, in yeah. this one particular spot. And there's one of the pigs there. I call him Pumba. Pumba. And he is huge. I've never seen anything like it. And he always comes to say hello to me and has a little scratch on his like side. He's very sweet. Yeah. That's uh, they're, they're very funny because if you get the right spot, they actually fall over. So he loves it so much. Like you tickle him and tickle him and tickle him and he goes, woo, on his side. Like, brilliant. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Jordan Shelley knocking pigs over in the forest. Lately. <laughs> <laughs> the pig, Jordan Shelley, the pig tipper. <laughs> yeah, I, it was beautiful out there. It was absolutely beautiful. Mm. It was clear skies and uh, it was just, um, yeah, that was my kind of, my, I actually managed to recharge a fair bit just in that, in those few hours that I was out there and it was really, really nice and both dogs were great. They're both on long lines as well, um, which can be interesting with a Newfoundland. Um but um <laughs> it totally sounds fun, like you got it? you got a good walk in before we end up having grey, rainy days for yeah. a few weeks. Yes, so. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Is well, anyone else really wanting Jordan to update his Facebook profile? Jordan Shelley, a hit with the pigs. <laughs> 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 what a one-liner <laughs> so so where are we with numbers on your petition at the moment mate do you know have you got oh, an update? i think it's very nearly on 14k but if i'm honest with you i've been in the dark house covered in straw and duck poo all day okay. so I, I i don't know um and i'm gonna go on and have a look after but it was very nearly on 14k by the time i last looked and we've had um some really great people uh, uh sharing it and magazines and newspapers sharing which has been really helpful um pete wicks has been tweeting it which has been really helpful uh, um obviously mark abraham's the vet cat the vet um dr uh daniel allen um quite a few people i know beverly um, beverly cuddy got involved a little yeah bit beverly cuddy and, and their magazine so obviously uh dogs today um and your dog and our dog and his dog monthly, and her dog his dog and her dog and every other dog i've <laughs> <laughs> uh, been doing this too long together steve them. i was about to do that joke <laughs> <laughs> it's um we, we did share it on our page but we'll be sure to stick up another another link and obviously anyone listening here if you go to the show notes there'll be a link to the petition in there go and sign just um uh if you live in the british isles that's that, is that right yeah, it's because it's a government petition. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we've hit the uh, 10,000, which means we'll get a response from government. 100,000 means it will be considered for debate in Parliament. So okay. that's where we want to be. Um, yeah. I want to try and push it to 100. And you know what? I've had loads of newspapers in touch. And I hope over the next few weeks, there'll be some exciting articles and papers. Yeah, so that'll be a I think that will be good one. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like I think, I just think that uh, I hope 
it makes people have more of a considered uh, thought process when it comes to why people are getting particular dogs. Is there and, and this particular look of a dog and is it a fashion and is it something they should avoid? I think that that, that would be something really uh, worthwhile if, if people get that message. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, mate, um, I, I um absolutely thrilled to talk to you about it we should see each other in person it's nice to see your face yes definitely and i would love to meet the big bear at some point yeah yeah Yeah, she's cracking yeah Yeah, she looks it Um, yeah she's beautiful she is beautiful so um just uh where just just in case anyone um wants to catch up with you um they can find you on facebook um they can find me on Facebook. I'm learning how to tweet. Okay. <laughs> Good. And that's like, uh, Twitter's been uh, huge for this campaign. Um, okay. I, I, I thank Mark Abraham for, for forcing me on there. He told me to get my butt in gear and get on there, and that would be the best place to campaign. Oh, and you know what? I forgot to mention Peter Egan. A big thank you to Peter Egan as well oh, for yeah. this Lovely. campaign. Yeah. He's such a legend. Um, yeah. Love him. And I, I, yeah, he's been so helpful. A really nice guy. Um, and I got to meet all his gorgeous dogs as well, which was a lovely day. Um, they're lovely. And so many, like, uh, big staffy types. I was in love. I had oh, them all wow. on my laps. Like, we were having loads of cuddles and kisses, and it was amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I uh, am on Twitter, Facebook. I do a bit of Instagramming every now and again. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. Yeah. Well, we do a tradition of fake buy, so we have to say fake buy, but don't okay. don't just turn everything off, because we'll say real buy after fake buy. <laughs> okay? So, fake buy. Well, there we go. Um, Top bloke, top geezer. If you can hear uh, hammering away in the background, it's uh, Kong preparation day today in the Goodall household. So uh, Penny and Peaches are having their Kongs prepared. We have got a whole bottom tray of our freezer that is devoted to uh, frozen goodies for our dogs that we can dispense as the week progresses Um, and Corin is down there right now conging up as we like to call it Um, thank you for listening everyone I hope you found that really really interesting Um, we've got some awesome things coming up we have got um, a podcast with the blooming marvellous Zassa Fraslauri who has written some great books. I'm not spoiling anything, but you're going to want to tune in for that one. And also the legendary Lily Chin. Now, if anyone um, has seen Lily's work, you you might not know it's actually by Lily, but you probably have seen it. She um, has done some fabulous um, cartoons of dogs, um, uh, the ones that really stick with me were about um, body language. I remember at the training school that I started training in, we had these posters up everywhere, even in the toilet, about dog body language. Um, and Lily just nails it. Um, simplistic art, but nailing it spot on. Um, I like to think of myself as a bit of an illustrator, nothing anywhere near her league. But um, but yeah, um, she is a legend amongst doggy drawers. Is that a phrase? It is now. So look out for those. Um, thanks for listening again. Please share, tell your mates, tell your dogs, subscribe, like, give us some love hearts, throw us some questions. You know the drill, bookshelvers. Get on it! Uh.
Patterns collide Ourselves divide Just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply this right Has just begun And here at the end of a line the stretches back through all time Time Guided by a primal desire To simply survive Survive You can't keep it And it won't be kept 